Today, we're watching Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Having taken an admiral post, Captain James T. Kirk is overseeing the recruits who will soon helm the Enterprise. But when an old foe reappears, the lives of the crew and the future of the Federation both hang in the balance as Kirk takes the helm! From June 4th, 1982, it's Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Or... Is that Ricardo Montalbaum's nipple? <laughs> I'm Cam. That's Dan. And we are the Meh Generation. At the movies! Spoiler alert, it was his nipple. It took a long time, but eventually I was looking at that sweater and I was like, those things cannot stay caged, no, man. No, they cannot. They're, they're going to get loose. <laughs> and eventually that side, that tasteful side boob he had going on just gave gave way. The sweater ruptured. Those, those pecs. <laughs> superior intellect and a superior bosom. <laughs> so ample ricardo so ample i didn't i mean it was so ample i didn't even mind the mullet yeah the mullet has not aged well no. but the sweater has come back around <laughs> yes it has i would wear that tomorrow <laughs> i am wearing it i know i think you're i think you should add the chain back in though that goes across the front i know make I it really look should. like space trash it just gets it just gets stuck in my chest hair because i'm not as cleanly shaven as ricardo is oh yeah that had to be waxed that was that was fully waxed that was such and then other members of his crew had the same sweater i'm like who's out there crocheting these apocalyptic desert chest bursting sweaters <laughs> The first officer, you know, what's his name? Yeah, that guy. <laughs> who, I can... who I was like, is that his son? I can't tell. They have a weird relationship. <laughs> the whole thing was kind of weird, but I yeah. loved it. Mm-hmm. Well, let me do the thing. Do the thing. So, Don't cry. Don't you cry. I'll try not to. In the year 2285... 14 years after the events of the motion picture, Admiral James T. Kirk oversees a simulator session, oh, session ooh, of Captain Spock's trainees. In the simulation, Lieutenant Savick commands the Starship Enterprise on a rescue mission to save the crew of the damaged ship, the Kobayashi Maru. Yay! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> when the Enterprise enters the Klingon neutral zone to reach the ship... It is attacked by Klingon cruisers and is critically damaged. The simulation is a no-win scenario designed to test the character of Starfleet officers. Later, Dr. McCoy joins Kirk for his birthday. Seeing Kirk in low spirits, the doctor advises Kirk to get a new command and to not grow old behind a desk. Meanwhile, the USS Reliant is on a mission to search for a lifeless planet for testing of the Genesis device, a technology designed to reorganize matter to create habitual, habitatable, habitual, to, habitual worlds. Habitable. <laughs> habitable. Habitable worlds for colonization. The Reliant officers 
Commander Pavel Chekhov, First Officer, and Captain Clark Terrell beam down to the surface of a possible candidate planet. While they believe it to be SETI Alpha 6, it's actually SETI Alpha 5. Once there, they are captured by genetically engineered tyrant Khan Noonien Singh. The movie claims 15, it was actually 18 years prior. It's forgivable. We'll talk about it. The Enterprise discovered Khan's ship adrift in space. Khan, uh, Kirk exiled Khan and his fellow superhumans to SETI Alpha 5 after they attempted to take over the Enterprise. After they were marooned, SETI Alpha 6 exploded, shifting the orbit of SETI Alpha 5 and destroying its ecosystem. Khan blames Kirk for the death of his wife and plans revenge. He implants Chekhov and Terrell with indigenous creatures that enter the ears of the victims and render them susceptible to mind control. Never gets any less horrifying. <laughs> and uses the officers to capture the Reliant. Learning of Genesis, Khan attacks the space station Regular One while the device is being developed by Kirk's former lover, Dr. Carol Marcus, and their son, David. What? What? Spock is so pissed. The Enterprise <laughs> embarks on a three-week training voyage. Kirk assumes command after the ship receives a distress call from Regular One. En route, the Enterprise is ambushed and crippled by the Reliant, leading to the death and injuries of many trainees. Khan hails the Enterprise and offers to spare Kirk's crew if they relinquish all materials related to Genesis. Kirk stalls for time and uses the Reliant's prefix code to remotely lower its shields, allowing the Enterprise to counterattack. Khan is forced to retreat and effect repairs. When the Enterprise limps to regular one, Kirk, McCoy, and Savick beam to the station and find Terrell and Chekhov alive, along with slaughtered members of Marcus's team. They soon find Carol and David hiding deep inside the planetoid of regular. Khan, having used Terrell and Chekhov's minds with the little wormy things, uh, orders them to kill Kirk. Terrell resists and kills himself and Chekhov collapses as the eel leaves his body. And then they blast it, and it bursts into flames, because that's fun. Khan then transports Genesis aboard Reliant. Though Khan believes his foe stranded on Regula, Kirk and Spock use coded messages to arrange a rendezvous. Kirk directs the Enterprise into a nearby nebula, the, the Mutara Nebula, and static discharges inside render shields useless compromise target systems and make the Enterprise and the Reliant evenly matched. Spock notes that Khan's tactics are two-dimensional, indicating inexperience for Space Command, and then Kirk exploits it to critically disable the Reliant. Mortally wounded, half of his face is gone for some reason, Khan activates Genesis, which, all which will reorganize all the matter in the nebula, including the Enterprise. Though Kirk's crew detects the activation of Genesis and attempts to move out of range, they cannot escape without the warp drive. Spock, unbeknownst to everyone, goes to the engine room to restore it. When McCoy tries to prevent Spock's entry, as exposure to the high levels of radiation would be fatal, Spock incapacitates the doctor with a Vulcan neck pinch and then performs a mind meld, telling him to remember. Spock successfully restores power to the warp drive, and the Enterprise escapes the explosion. The explosion of Genesis causes the gas near the nebula to reform into a new planet capable of sustaining life. After being alerted by McCoy, Kirk arrives at the engine room. Before dying of radiation poisoning, Spock urges Kirk not to grieve, and that his decision to sacrifice himself to save the ship's crew was a logical one. A space burial is held in the Enterprise's torpedo room, 
and Spock's coffin is shot into orbit around the new planet. The crew leaves to pick up the Reliance marooned crew from City Alpha 5. Spock's coffin soft lands on the surface of the Genesis planet, and so ends Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Yep. Heavy, man. Super heavy. Backstory overview before we get into all this. It has been three years since the last Star Trek movie. Mm -hmm. So clearly Paramount was was happy um, with the first one. Raking in some coin. Um, But they have gone and and got themselves a a new writer-director in the form of Nicholas Meyer. And... Uh, I find it interesting that they hired Nicholas Meyer when his only writing directing uh, credit at this point was the movie Time After Time, where uh, Jack the Ripper is chased down through time by H.G. Wells. Yep. (laughs) So that must have been a he must have been great in the meeting to get this job. Well, and the other interesting thing is that he is in he wrote and directed Star Trek 2, co-wrote and directed Star Trek actually no, co-wrote Star Trek 4 and then wrote co-wrote Star Trek 6, I believe. Directed 6, but it looks like he was writers on 2 4, he was at least one of the writers on 2 4 and 6, which you told me are your favorites. Well, and that's I mean universally it's everyone's favorites the sci-fi channel used to say even number track films don't suck fair enough (laughs) whoa that makes me really excited for the search for spock (laughs) although i actually love the search for spock it is leonard nimoy's directorial debut so well i i remember watching the first part of it years ago and going this isn't as good as the last one but to be fair i uh also I don't remember crying the first time I watched Wrath of Khan. And boy, did I cry last night. Yep, yep, me too. Like a little bitch boy. (laughs) Like, oh man, I was, I was, I was really upset. I was like genuinely upset. And I was, I was like, I know he's coming back. I know he's coming back, but it's like I just went on 103 adventures with this dick. And now he's dead. <laughs> yep. And like legitimately dead. No. Not Ugh. for long. But yeah, I was wrecked. I, uh, it affected me. I mean, I've always cried just a little, but like I, I was a wreck. I sent Dan a photo because I, uh, yeah, just could not get my shit together. And I think it's because we've seen it all in context and all together. And we've, you know, really grown to care about this group of people. Which is why I was glad to see Chekhov used like the dump pond that he is. <laughs> um, it was getting too heavy. I had to give us some levity there. Um, and uh, yeah, nobody else really got uh, crew moments. McCoy didn't do- McCoy didn't have to do shit this whole movie. He was coasting like great. 
no major medical emergencies. I can just come in at the beginning and be like, Jim, let's get drunk. Also, don't grow old. And then I'm du- then I'm just going to stand in the background the rest of the time. Easiest paycheck ever. Yeah. Well, and also, I would like to just go on record and say this is the first time ever that we actually get to hear McCoy talking like he's supposed to be talking with his goddamns and his son of a bitches and his Jesus yeah. Christ's and his, yeah. <laughs> he was he was swearing up a storm. As as always, we got to start with what did you love, Cameron? Because I got to go first last time, and I feel like I just I just run the show sometimes, and I just bully you into <laughs> letting me go first. So you go first. I I mean, except for the slight timeline error, which. Basically, they just they still hadn't figured out what was going on as far as the actual canon timeline. They hadn't assigned actual years to the original series yet. That's coming soon. Okay, so does the star date of this movie fuck with the star date of the episode that Khan premiered on or what? There are all kinds of star dates that fuck with all kinds of things. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, essentially, if... That episode had been the last thing that we saw of this crew as far as the TV shows go. Then it would have been 15 years ago. But because it was season two and then there was season three and then the animated series, it's actually 18 years. But they also, you know, were still pretty flea, pretty flea, pretty free with star dates. Pretty fleek. Pretty fleek. (laughs) They weren't on fleek. They were... They were quite off. They were very honestly. free. I mean, the start date that uh, Kirk gives as far as the mother, his baby daddy's, his baby mama's, uh, you know, proposal, the start date that he gives for her proposal would put it back at the same time that the motion picture happened, which is supposed to be also 15 years ago. And he was like, no, it's only a year. You know, they're just they're still figuring it out. But besides that, my point is, is I loved every single second of this fucking movie, Daniel Crary. That is my point. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I'm glad you got the nerd rage out. And then you use that fire to fuel your passion for this thing. I did. Oof, I just had a, I just had a mild panic attack where I thought I hadn't been recording at all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Well, that's good. Um. <clears throat> I uh I loved Kirstie Alley's breakout performance. I thought she was great. Um I loved her and Spock speaking Vulcan to each other. Right. I was like, yeah, Vulcan convo. We've watched Spock get condescended to in Vulcan in the last movie, but we haven't uh we haven't seen two Vulcans chattering back and forth in their little hobgoblin language (laughs) all just sounds like buzzes and clicks to me i don't i don't don't get it (laughs) jesus mccoy you're so racist jesus (laughs) he's so fucking racist you almost forget he's southern and then it's like oh no i called him a hobgoblin again (laughs) fucking racist it's a long tradition (laughs) oh yeah oh but yeah i uh I loved that we got to see for the first time ever another ship class. Yeah. The Miranda that class. Was cool. 
Miranda class. Yes. That's a it's kind of a lame name. Well, it's kind of a lame ship. <laughs> uh it was it was cool looking. I was I this this movie was much cheaper than the first one to make. Yeah. For which is crazy to me because it looks so much better. Now granted, I'm sure I'm watching a digital restoration because yeah, uh, we are hated as consumers and movie lovers. We are hated by the studios, I guess. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, this one was like twelve million, and the first one cost like I don't know, almost forty or some stupid amount. Yeah, the first one. No, cost it's true. More. I don't remember how much. Lots more. Tw- yeah. So I guess they're like, well, we've still got the model, and that's where most of our money went. So. In fact, we've got several models. Let's rearrange it and make a different ship. Great. Done. (laughs) That's actually pretty brilliant. Good job, crew. I know. Um, And it's convincing. What else? What else did you really love? I loved tickled your fancy. I loved Ricardo's performance. I thought he was brilliant as always. I loved how truly maniacal and how much darker this film was. Um this, I mean, not to give away my cards, but this movie starts my favorite arc in any of the movies because it's the only arc. But it's a three-movie arc of Spock getting his shit back together. You know, Spock mm. dying and then regaining himself. And it's it's just, oh, it's so good. And, I mean, yeah, like I said, even though I know it's coming, wrecked me. And mm-hmm. I think the slash factor might have had something to do with it. There's just so much love. Even if you just go with a yeah. friendship, it wrecks you. But if there's something more, Jesus H. Christ. <laughs> this was less slashy than the last one. Oh, yeah. Um, I think by a long shot. I mean, the last movie was dripping in slash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think part of it's that they're a little older. I think part of it is that they don't have as much screen time together and it, there's less of the getting the band back together angle. Yeah. No, it's um, true. But he does give him a birthday present. I know. And there's clearly like, I feel like if we're going to go slash that they're not, uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll get to it. We'll, we'll have a whole slot. Let's let's table it for a after, in between the good and the bad will have a big slash convo. Great. Love it. Perfect. I the last thing that I loved was that they embraced their that they actually embraced the aging instead of trying to fight against it. How do you mean? Well, like in the first movie, they, you know, set it right after the series and so even though it was 10 some years later and these people had obviously aged, they were trying to pretend like they hadn't. Whereas this movie, they consciously set it so far in the future that they look younger than they are. I mean, they look younger than their characters would be so that they can actually add some things and make it seem more realistic. It they turned them aging into a part of the story instead mm-hmm. of trying to fight against it, which is not a very Hollywood thing to do, and I really like it. Well, I mean, it's been three years since the first one, and I'm going to say that every single member of the crew spent some of their movie paycheck on some sort of work because I'm looking at pictures of the first movie and pictures of the second movie, and like... 
Everybody's keeping it tight. I think uh, I think you know, get getting some hair touch ups, getting some fillers. You know, I think uh, with the exception of um, Leonard Nimoy, I think just about everybody's had a little. They're they're taking very good care of themselves. Wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, yeah. they did embrace it, so they're not trying to, you know, make them up to look younger and having them go on starvation diets so that they can still fit into those stupid uniforms from the original movie. Those uniforms were just fucking awful. But these are amazing. These are classy shit. I like the little mock collar. I like the way that it, it can burst open just in time for a crewman to get his blood on you. Um, <laughs> and and the fact that they're red actually i think i think looks really nice well yeah i it's mean a good it's a good command color to have everybody be red and then just have this the little strappy thing change yeah well i mean it's the strappy thing and then it's what what's on the strappy thing so it's like right it just makes way more sense instead of having to get a new uniform every time because you have to sew new braids on the arm. You can just <laughs> you can just give get a pin, which is way more actual military than you know. Right. Well, and I mean the the whole braids on the arm thing is meant to, I guess, play off like naval uniforms the way they add to and and the Marines too, but the way they add to the arms there, but. It's uh this is this is a lot better. This is much much better. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, and I mean as they go, they just continue to make improvements to all the uniforms and It's just it's really fun to watch, but they keep these for a good long while and I'm glad cuz they are some of my favorites. I adore them. So good. So good. Anyway, that's, I mean, I could go on and on about what I loved about this movie, but what did you love, Dan? I'm really curious to hear. I loved much of what you loved as well. Um, I loved that the villain was other humans just from the past. <laughs> yep. Um, I was, I was like, there's no aliens in this really, which is okay. Um, the, the scope feels a little bit smaller than the last one, but I don't miss it. I don't miss, let's get a shot of the entire crew assembled in a hangar for no fucking reason. <laughs> like, it's great to see like, oh, this is a big ass ship, but I also don't really care, if that makes sense. Like there's there's the primary ship locations. That's all I need. I need the bridge. I need somebody's quarters. I need med bay and I need engineering and really just the bridge and engineering for the sake of drama. So I didn't, I didn't miss like the fact that this is a smaller budget movie that was, you know, a little leaner. Like they clearly spent the money. They re got to reuse all the sets that they just built, um, which is great. Reuse models and then just spend the money on fabulous costuming mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, a couple of, uh, couple of big special effects shots um it's uh it's a good movie like structurally it's sound it it moves along pretty well there's only a couple little plot elements we'll get to that i'm like Ugh! but uh this was a very affecting piece that 
just kind of gutted me. Mm-hmm. Um, I I just started I just started crying so hard as soon as I knew it was coming. I was like, "Oh God, oh God, no!" Now I I was like this, looking at it through the context of having, you know, a being. I'm caught up to where everybody would have been at the time. Um, I thought seeing the Kobayashi Maru finally after, um, I think it had only been mentioned once in the original series. If that, yeah, was it mentioned or is this? I mean, pre- this it is, was mentioned. I, I don't actually remember. I don't know if it is. I think this might be the first time that it's mentioned. Oh, okay. Um, it was great to have that, you know, Kirky McKirkness to it all. Um, he doesn't believe in no-win situations. And, of course, I've never actually had to handle death. Like, I like that they acknowledged the flaws of Captain Kirk. Yeah. Like, he He's never had, lost. He's never had He's to never lost. Like, what is... Yeah, he's he is an undefeated starship captain who... Um, <laughs> It was funny when they were doing the Kobayashi Maru um, and they warned uh, Savik, uh, Kirstie Alley, whatever. Yes, doesn't matter. Savik. Uh, Savik. They warned her that she's go- they're, you're going into the neutral zone. I was like, Spock, shut the fuck up. You know how many times your ass went into the neutral zone? <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, let's lecture the new cadets. Like, oh, that's, that's not something we do. Fuck you. Read their logs. They've done it so many times. Times <laughs> it is unbelievable how many times they have got into the neutral zone. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, I uh, um, as yeah. as someone who has personally taken the Kobayashi Maru, I can tell you it's devastating. Mm. And where does one take the Kobayashi Maru? Well, I went to the Star Trek experience that was in New York on the uh, shit. The aircraft carrier that they just have docked there. That's a museum now. Oh, yeah. Well, they had a Star Trek The experience. Enterprise. No, it's not the Enterprise. I wish. Okay. I would never forget <laughs> that. It's the. It's a state. It's, it's Dakota? Uh, no, it's the... Oh, it's it's not the Ronald Reagan. It's the... Um, I've been on this ship. It's I know the it's Gerald Ford. Anyway, they had... Um, <laughs> Intrepid. Yep, the Intrepid. The Intrepid. Oh, that, okay. If you could cut all this out and just say, on the Intrepid. <laughs> I cannot believe Perfect. I forgot that. That's a class okay. of Starship and one of my favorite classes of Starship. I'm the worst. I'm sorry. I'm wrecked from this fucking movie. Anyway, um, when I went to the Star Trek experience on the Intrepid, they actually had the Enterprise D's bridge set up. They had this Ooh. model... They had the this Enterprise model in person, and they had the Enterprise D's bridge set up. And on the bridge, you could sit in the chairs and take the Kobayashi Maru yourself. Shut the front door. Yeah, you could, and it was, it was. What was amazing. the line like waiting for that? It wasn't actually that bad. Ah, uh, I mean, it was a fairly extensive museum, so like that was just at the end, you know. And then I bought one of the most expensive t-shirts I've ever bought in my life and a Star Trek mug that uh, when you have coffee in it, it heats up enough so that Kirk appears on the transporter pad. 
I like it. And yeah, it was a highlight of my life. Moving on, though. I, uh, the Kobayashi Maru is, I mean, it's really kind of a clever, it's one of the, one of the things in this movie that's incredibly clever as far as writing goes. I, I mean, what a thing to do to let your people know, let your young students know that failure is inevitable and at some point you could lose your life and everyone else's life on the ship. And sometimes there's nothing you can do about that. Yeah. And um, it was sort of the first tip of the hand that they were setting up Spock's death. Like this is a this is a well crafted screenplay. Mm-hmm. Like you have to get comfortable with the possibility that you know you're gonna lose things and that you know you may not win. Um, and then immediately after, when Kirk sees Spock and goes, "Aren't you dead?" <laughs> I was like, oh, "They're they're they're forecasting it. They're tipping their hand." They are, oh. and it's so good. Something else, since we're talking about clever writing bits, was that Ricardo Montalban just mentions his wife, which is really good motivation. But those of us who have just watched the show know that his wife is Lieutenant Marla McGivers from Space Seed, the one who stayed behind and went native, you know? Yep. That's what you get. This is why you don't do that. Yep. But I mean, it's just, it makes it all the more tragic for people who do know, but it's just really good motivation for people who don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, anyone would be pissed if they lost their wife. And I mean, it's all, Khan's motives are all very sociopathic. They're just, he, <laughs> I mean, he's blaming Kirk for marooning him on this planet and for not right. coming to check up on him. But like which to be fair, who in the history of prisoners has had a prisoner for 15 years and been like Oh yeah. I forgot about that guy. Well, that's just it is they weren't prisoners. They were I mean, but at the same time, there should have been a log somewhere saying like the whole space seed incident was logged with Star Trek. So I'm mostly just pissed at Chekhov <laughs> for taking so long to fucking figure it out. Well, like you are the reason Spock died, Chekhov. Chekhov was good fucking job. Chekhov wasn't a bridge officer at this point. No, but he, uh, you know, if he had just remembered his shit, could have gotten them out of there. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Okay. Avoid the whole slug situation. Which, do those things have a name? Consult the memory alpha. <laughs> Consulting memory alpha. Um, working. Working. Obey me. Could you get that excited over a cup of coffee? Something else I loved was uh, a very subtle, quick joke that, uh, blink and you miss it, when <laughs> when they're all aboard... And McCoy says that he hasn't uh, had much to do except for Scotty had a, a wee bout. Mm. And uh, <laughs> and Jim looks at him like, what? And <laughs> McCoy goes, shore leave. <laughs> and they just all got to go, 
Oh, <laughs> they're like just making. They just made a joke that Scotty picked up an STI on Shorely. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I was like, that is a blink and you miss it, dirty old man joke. Yep. And I'm like, good for you, Scotty. Still getting out there. Yeah, doing stuff. They are called seti eels. Seti eels, which makes sense since we were on seti five. Five. Yep. Six. We yeah, were on seti and forgetty. Okay. City and forgetty. But um, I loved uh, the Vulcans agreeing that Jim is just so human. Um, and I think my favorite part was when um, they beam away to the regular one station. But before they go, Spock, for the first time ever, says, be careful, Jim. I know. Mm. He says, be careful, Captain, all the time. But be careful, Jim. I was like, oh, God, he loves you so much. (laughs) (laughs) It's killing me. Um, uh, It is very cold in space. It is very cold in space. Mm. Mm. Um, Also, when the crewmen die and Spock closes the crewman's eyes. I was like, God, they are, there's so many little points where they're like, Spock's gonna die. Spock's gonna die. Ah! Yep. Speaking uh, of which. Yet I was still not prepared. Go ahead. That crewman that Scotty carries on, this is an even more tragic thing that they just cut out of there, but the crewman that Scotty carries onto the bridge and dies is his nephew. Hmm. That's sad. I know. It's horrifying. So where do you think uh, Yeoman Rand and Dr. Chapel are? <laughs> well, I, I you know, in the next couple movies, you'll get to see Yeoman Rand at Starfleet. So I think she was promoted. She got the hell out of there. And uh, Dr. Rand, is she just counting her money? Probably. I don't know. She probably got well, transferred her husband... to her own ship. She's the oh, chief good for medical her. officer of, someone, of something else. Um. It was interesting to me that Gene Roddenberry was credited as executive consultant. I'm like, oh, they didn't let you fucking near this thing, no, did they? they did not. <laughs> After the first one, they were like, nope. Sorry, Gene. You, sorry, Gene. You can advise. You suck. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's all they, they let him do. And look, we got an amazing movie out of it. Mm-hmm. Yep. But now they gotta now they gotta make a bunch more just to make these goddamn sets pay for themselves. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I think that this movie I was not expecting it to gut punch me as much as it did. Obviously it did, but um as I'm sitting there openly weeping and I started doing the little gaspy thing you do before you're gonna cry. Yep. Just when as soon as he started heading towards towards engineering, I was like <laughs> Uh, okay. Okay. Um, here it comes. Oh God. Uh, shouldn't have had so much Romulan ale. Um I mean I did. It made me want to come up with a cocktail. But uh the I, after I'm I'm done with the movie, my wife is sitting on the couch patiently waiting for me to finish so we can watch the tidying up show on Netflix. Um, <laughs> oh dear. 
It's amazing, and you need to watch oh, it. Oh, I will. I will. It's I on my list. worry for your health and safety. You need to. I'm kidding. Um, it's. Uh, I'm I'm done. I'm crying. I'm on the couch, and my wife goes, "Yeah, I remember my parents watching this, and my mom and dad are watching it at home." And I'm a little kid and I just am walking by. I'm not in the room watching it with them. And my mom is standing. She's not on the couch anymore. She is standing, yelling at the TV, not Spock! (laughs) (laughs) No, not Spock! Right. And she's she's like, that's my only memory of this movie is my parents watching it at home on VHS and my mom yelling at the TV, no, not Spock. And I was like, yeah, that's uh, that about sums it up. Yep, yep. He was everyone's uh, favorite. It was, it, uh, yeah. I uh, There is something else that we we're going to have to watch and do, maybe as bonus features, but um, mm-hmm. the documentary for the love of Spock on netflix i don't know if you've seen it no okay well we'll watch it when we're done with all of these movies and maybe release it as bonus content or something but uh in it um leonard nimoy says that you know he had just after this he signed on because they promised him a brilliant death scene and he did it and was excited about it and he took the ears off for the last time and went home and thought to himself, what have I done? Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, that's so sad. Well, luckily enough, he they approached him and said, would you like to make a third one? And he said, yes, I would. And I'd like to direct it, too. And they're like, okay. Okay. <laughs> He's like, yeah. So take that. Well, and then... They uh had the they had really tight reins on the third one, and so he you know had to explain everything that he did, and he had it was just not a good creative experience. And so when they came and said, "Hey, we want to make a fourth one," he said, "Kay, are you gonna treat me like you did for the third one?" And they're like, "No, you can make the Star Trek movie that you've always wanted," and that's what happened. And I can't wait for you to see them. It was like good. Now, cue the whales. <laughs> yes. What? <laughs> yes. <laughs> the kind you always wanted. He goes, perfect. <laughs> Finally. During the, the first, during the first read the through whales. of Star Trek Four, he actually had whale song playing because. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're getting ahead of ourselves. We are. Darling, are you all right? I need you. Badly. Speaking of things that put me in the mood, like whale songs. Um, <laughs> what what was your read? Let's get into the slash factor. What was your read on where on where Jim and Spock were at at this point? I hope. It- okay, so in a much future movie, we'll talk about it. But there is a scene where Kirk is in a cabin with. Uh, you shut up! You shut up! You shut up right now! And unfortunately, it's some girl that we never get to see. But he is softening the blow. And I would like to, I in my mind, ever since I saw that scene and ever since I really started thinking about it, that is where Kirk and Spock are in this movie. They go to their day jobs. Kirk goes to be an admin. Spock goes to be a trainer and teacher. And then they come back to that cabin. 
and they see yeah. each other every day and things are good. And they just they just sit down and have a little a nice home replicated meal. Yep. And uh okay. Cuz his apartment that he had in San Francisco, which is obviously just for, you know, when he has to work too late because he's, you know, he needs glasses now. He doesn't want to drive at night all the time. <laughs> it's a long transporter <laughs> ride. There's no one in the apartment, Spock. I'm just tired. I'm not skipping out on dinner. I just can't get home. Who's there, Jim? I hear someone. <laughs> See, I don't even have that kind of drama there. It's just It it's doesn't good. seem like there's any drama. I it just, is their you know, content. They are content together. I mean, who knows? Maybe Spock stays in the apartment with him. Yeah, probably. It's It'd probably like their place. apartment, and then the cabin is where they go. When they're off duty on the weekends, on the weekends, <laughs> but the, um... they are happy. They are living life together. That's what it feels like because there's just, I mean, there is no tension. There's no drama. Yeah. There's no, also he doesn't get to find out about his son and Kirk does not say anything to him on screen about, uh, well, like there's not even, he gets a look from McCoy when they mention Dr. Marcus um. Yeah, when they mentioned Carol Marcus, there's a look from McCoy, but there's no acknowledgement from Spock. It's like Spock's gotten over it. He's like, yeah, like they're fine. They are just but fine. He, but like, I don't know if he knows about David or not. Oh, I think he totally knows, and I think that it's yeah. fine, and that he feels terrible that the love of his life can't see his son because the mother asked him to stay away. Yeah. Oh, when he says he's. Oh my God! The actor who played David died. He did. Yeah, unfortunately, nineteen eighty-nine. He died at twenty-nine years old. That is so sad. I know. Oh. Yeah. Oh, he was on Next Gen. Interesting. Yep. Oof. Everyone was. <laughs> <laughs> Literally everyone. It was just a revolving door. Were you on Star Trek? Come be on Next Gen. Were you on Star Trek? Well, and I mean, it's like celebrities, too. If you think that the original series had a lot of celebrity cameos, just wait. Just you wait, Henry Higgins. Okay, just tell me right now. Nathan Lane? Because <laughs> if not, then you need to change your definition of celebrity, sir. <laughs> oh, dear. Not next gen. Yeah, I, I I get I get that sort of like contented older couple that have like a beautiful rhythm with each other and just still truly enjoy each other's company. Yep. But like do their do their own thing. They have their own jobs. They have their own passions. Spock the teacher, Jim the desperately in need of a ship. <laughs> yep. Um side note, how fabulous were their coats that went with their uniforms? So good. Just Perfect. Uh, Columbia is going to be making a recreation. Really? Um, yeah, they just they had announced that just the same way they did the Star Trek, uh, the Star Wars coats from Hoth from Empire. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you know they're six hundred, seven hundred dollars. Well, you so. know, after this podcast starts making money, <laughs> yeah, you got to spend money to make money. <laughs> Uh no, but 
you know, as beautiful as this movie was, it was not all screaming con and no beautiful <laughs> <death> scenes. <laughs> con. <laughs> The con um, is the con scream is always way worse than I remember it. <laughs> the the bar the part that makes it terrible is the echo. Like that's the part. Like the fact that they zoom out on the asteroid and then they echo it and you hear it again. I'm like, first off, no sound in space. I let it slide all the time, Star Trek. But come on, <laughs> and <laughs> it's just such an over the top dramatic effect. I think his con scream is okay it's the echo that turns it to the point of just absurdity no not even me not even me i always i always just think of it as a crisp clear yell out into the universe you know with just sheer rage on his face but it's not there's bill and they're shaking and there's tantruming oh yeah (laughs) i mean which is probably more realistic but yeah i mean to be fair that's that's kind of where he's at um so i didn't i didn't i didn't love that um, I didn't love, um, <laughs> I, I, I didn't really love Chekhov's whole storyline because Chekhov just sucks and they just made him suck more. And I just, I'm like, you're, you're justified all of my bad feelings. I did love when, uh, when Khan picked him up though, just the slow grip of his hand on the front of his thing <laughs> that he just picks his ass up. Yep. It's like. Listen, you little fucker. <laughs> this isn't going to be fun me. for you. <laughs> you are not going to like what happens next. Um, and honestly, I, I'm sure they're setting up some sort of story arc with it. But I thought Kirk having a son was completely unnecessary. It didn't do... That was that was a storyline I would have cut or saved for another movie where that can actually be a part of it. But it was just... It just... It does come into effect in this arc. And actually, in the later movies, too, you will see. <clears throat> I'm sure um, it has some relevance there, but it just seemed completely unnecessary in this film and like, and gave him a weird consolation of like, well, I lost my best friend slash love of my life, but at least I gained a son. And I thought that undercut the loss of Spock. Like, the fact that he got to reconcile and have a son... I, I thought way too much softening of the blow. Let him stew in it. Let him sit in the death of the best thing that ever happened to him. I just, you know, I, 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 didn't, uh, I didn't think that that was necessary. Also, as long as we're talking about stuff that pissed me off, um, Nichelle Nichol got nothing to do in this movie. Nope. Fucking nothing to do. She sat there and... And, you know, they wasted all this time with fucking Chekhov. Uh, Sulu didn't get shit to do either. He just, you know, sat there and did his job, which is fine. Um, But the the fact that, that Chekhov and Sulu both get higher billing than her... I want I I would be pissed because first off Chekhov joined in season 2. She was there from the beginning. So, he can suck a dick. She needs to get higher billing than both of them. No, I agree. Uh but also uh things that continue to make me angry. How does Spock have time to put on the gloves but not time to put on a, like a radiation suit? And why does why are there just no radiation suits down there in engineering? Like, I get it. 
but at the same time, it just seemed a little dumb. Well, I mean, I'd like to defend that, but I can't. I mean, there are radiation suits. I don't know. I think, Everywhere. <laughs> I think the idea was that it was so much that the radiation suit wasn't, wasn't supposed to... I mean, wasn't going to work because Scotty was wearing a radiation suit and he was still right. getting poisoned. You know, he still almost didn't make it. I mean, you know, just the gloves are obviously not the stupidest costuming choice in this uh, in this movie. Um, when when uh, David comes back to the bridge and for some reason just has a <laughs> just has his country club sweater draped around his shoulders and tied in the front. I'm like, in case you forgot, this was made in the 80s. <laughs> Here comes the bad guy from a <laughs> from a John Hughes movie. <laughs> I mean, yeah, basically. <laughs> I mean, and, and while it was awesome that uh, Kirk used the Z access and was like, you know, we're going to fight in 3D and goes drop down, you know, 10,000 meters on the Z, you know, heading, heading Z, whatever. That was great, but it just made me irrationally angry for all the space battles that have come before where that didn't happen, where that wasn't used. I was like, you're just now remembering that you're in space? Um, also, how does Spock just know? Just know. How, how, does, how does he just know to go down to engineering? They just say there's no, there's no response, but before that he like closes his eyes and is then like, there we are. I mean, it's not like some giant space probe that's reached sentience was passing by. <laughs> like, <laughs> boop. Like they're increasingly making him more and more mystic, more and more psychic, more and more, I don't know, where I'm like, I just thought I had a handle on these Vulcan, Vulcan powers, but. You do not. None of us I do. Know. But uh, it's amplified when <laughs> when put through his his clone giant fucking Spock two, right? Oh Christ! <laughs> He's like an antenna for him. Wherever um, he is, he can he amplifies the psychic powers. <laughs> when uh, when this movie ends, <laughs> Kirk goes, "I feel young." I'm like. What? How do you not just feel exhausted? <laughs> That's insane. I feel young. Like, I guess I could give it to you. Like, oh, he's remembering their life together and when they met. And that has him, you know, feeling all young. Like, I can I can kind of give it to you. But overall, I thought that was such a weird way to end it. I feel young. What? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> it was a weird way uh. to end it. I, you know, it was supposed to symbolize him being back on the bridge is what he's supposed to be doing. So he right. feels like himself. But also, yeah. <laughs> get that Kirk is a jerk uniform out because that's a dick thing to say when your best friend slash love of your life is gone. Yeah. Also, I love that someone finally said something to him about beaming away. <laughs> that uh, Savick was like, according to, you know, regulation if it's dangerous you can't go you shouldn't go down there unaccompanied i wanted to look around at the crew and just be like you are all culpable for every <laughs> fucking time he did that and you said nothing it takes this you know this 
fucking 14 year old over here just joined Starfleet. She she says something to him, but all of you just let your friend and captain go down so many times with little to no backup. Ugh. Yep. Um while the Genesis project is super fucking cool idea, um I didn't understand their relationship to Starfleet. They're just a private organization. Well, I like, mean, it's who who are they? It's They're supposed just a collection to be, of scientists. Yeah, it's not even a, a collection of scientists. It is the Marcuses and whoever works for them. It's just like straight up private science yep, project. Straight up, straight up private. And they're you know hoping gotcha. Starfleet will be an investor, which they obviously are since they gave them a, a cave and are using the Miranda to search for a planet. Yeah. The uh, the other weird thing is, why did they call her Mister? Why did they refer to her as Mister? Uh, they call Savic. They call her Mister as a title, and I'm like, that's weird. Yeah. Well, so it was supposed to say that you know everyone is called Mister as as a thing to the naval tradition, uh, send up to the naval tradition. But uh, right. Yeah, it doesn't work well. Also, <clears throat> while we're at it, nitpicky things. Um. Apparently, Khan's cloaks are magical because, you know, the censors didn't pick them up. Picked up the little yeah. eels, but... Uh, what the fuck was that shit? <laughs> didn't pick up the I humans. I was like, it could just be a random particle. Check off. It's 40 fucking people. <laughs> oh, it's maybe just a smudge on screen. You're a goddamn idiot. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I totally know how to work s- these sensors. Yeah, 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 nuclear vessels. He is, the, <laughs> <laughs> he is the actual representation of people who make it into administrative roles. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> He's like, beloved by no one, useful never. <laughs> <laughs> Just an all-around pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. So, so young. Old now, and yet still so young. Yep. Ugh. Yeah, I, um... God, I still, I'm still just thinking about all of Khan's side boob shots. Like, that sweater was amazing. It was, I mean... How, it just barely, until it was, it was n- almost, it was near the end. I, I wrote it, I wrote down, um, <laughs> The timing. When, not the exact time, but... When when it's when they're in the it's when uh they're the Enterprise is circling around the planetoid with the cave, and when they finally when f- they finally get the Enterprise back in in range in the uh before they head into the nebula, <laughs> when they see her again and get visual contact, he kind of stands up in his chair and goes, "There she is," <laughs> and his left nipple goes. <laughs> just it doesn't come out but you get like a side nipple shot it does not free itself from the containment of the sweater but you get this little montebomb if you will <laughs> there she is and here i am <laughs> right it's it's just the perfect timing because he says there she is and his nipples hanging out and you're like there she is indeed con there she is indeed <laughs> So that was something I I love hated. I was like, oh god! I was I spent the whole movie waiting. I'm like, when is it gonna happen? There's no way this got through editing in 1982, as the editor was 
out of his mind on cocaine. There's no way that this made it through without a without a Monza bomb nip slip. There's no <laughs> way. And I was rewarded for my patience and my endurance. And I'm so glad. Oh yes. <sighs> yeah, 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 yeah. But um, before we do quotes, can I tell you my absolute favorite thing that I know I'm reading way too much into? Yes. At the end, when Kirk pulls out his glasses and doesn't use them, at first I'm like, ooh, the Genesis effect fixed his eyes, because I didn't remember. And then we see that one of the lenses is broken. And I chose, and wrote this down in my drunk, crying, delirious stupor. Um, I chose to see that as a physical representation of an eye for an eye. You killed my lover and love of my life, James T. Kirk. I have now killed yours. Oof. Right? Yeah. Because... And I and I, I choose to see it that way as a great little visual tip to that for two reasons. One, because it's very literal. And two, because Khan dies thinking he's won. Mm-hmm. He does not get to see, he doesn't get that classic villain, no moment. Like, he goes out thinking he's won, mm-hmm. and he he kind of has in that regard. Yep, he definitely has. Mm-hmm. They took away the most important thing from him. He didn't care about his son. I kept waiting for the reveal of like, Kirk's son. And then like fucking around with David somehow. Um, but that's uh, that's not the way they went because who gives a shit about him? No. Nope. Who gives a shit? Well, Kirk doesn't even. I mean, he's never known him. He knows he exists. Right. He has never known him. He has never been involved. Which makes the next movie all the more interesting. Scott to bridge. We've got problems. Oh, Daniel Crary. I I am so excited we are doing these. Me too. I just I love the movies so much. I am having a pretty good time. But uh you know what I, I love even more than this movie? What do you love even more than this movie? The quotes. <laughs> well, you'd better read, read your favorite ones then. You 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 do that thing you just said also. I, so. I will. Good. Yeah. I, I can't even look. I can't even look at Kirk's eulogy without tearing up. I, I can't do it. I'll, I got to save that for the end because. Yep. Woof. Yep. The most... From hell's heart, I stab at thee. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like Christ, you're dramatic, and I love yeah. it. This was also very Ahabby. <laughs> so Ahabby, Captain uh, Captain Ahab, all the way. Well, there were some direct quotes too, which I appreciate. You know, oh yeah, for the literary yeah. nerds among us. To the last, I will grapple with thee. From hell's heart, I stab at thee. For hate's sake, I spit my last breath at thee. Yep, that's the one. <laughs> that's the one. <laughs> oh God, my <laughs> but a uh, much more fun one. Kirk to McCoy. 
Physician, heal thyself. <laughs> Is that all you've got to say? What, what about, about my, my performance? performance? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a drama critic. I was like, oh, God, I will never get tired of their back and forth. <laughs> if, if and when we get a McCoy death, um, I know we won't, but I would love a McCoy death scene just for him to go out with a joke <laughs> because he has to. I know. <laughs> Rami and Lael, why bones? You know this is illegal. I only use it for medicinal purposes. Oh, <laughs> uh, just the best. Yeah, there was just so much subtext in everything. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Message, Spock? None that I am conscious of, except, of course, happy birthday. Surely the best of times. <laughs> Jim, I'm your doctor and I'm your friend. Get back your command. Get it back before you turn into part of this collection. Before you really do grow old. Yep. Yep. That's the message here. Ah, of course, we are one big happy fleet. <laughs> ah, Kirk, my old friend. Do you know the Klingon proverb that tells us revenge is a dish best served cold? It is very cold in space. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. Yep, me too. I loved it. <laughs> I, yeah. There was just, there was so much political intrigue, being pissed at the administration, you know. Mm-hmm. I also loved the Chekhov Khan exchange where you lie on City Alpha 5, there was life, a fair chance. This is City Alpha 5! (laughs) 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 Just so unbelievably dramatic, and I loved every goddamn second of it. This is completely improper, Commander Chekhov. I have no intention of allowing Reliant or any other unauthorized personnel to access our work or materials. I am sorry that you feel that way, Doctor. Admiral Kirk's orders are confirmed. (laughs) Please prepare to deliver Genesis to us upon our arrival. Reliant out. I mean, he did do the, the I've got a slug in my brain speech fairly well. It was just very subtle, and I enjoyed it. Yeah. (laughs) You don't agree? (laughs) Well, it was... I know they didn't know Chekhov, but it was pretty obvious that there was something not right. Um, <laughs> but anyways, uh, <laughs> we had a couple more good McCoy ones. Obviously, he has to say, are you out of your Vulcan mind? Yep. Um, but I also love, damn it, Jim, what the hell is the matter with you? Other people have birthdays. Why are we treating yours like a funeral? <laughs> He's yep. like, I came over here to get drunk. <laughs> Really drunk. It's Romulan Don't be Ale. A dick. It's Romulan Ale. This shit's gonna fuck you up. I'm in my sixties <laughs> now. This could kill me, Jim. I'm gonna do a line of coke off a hooker's ass and chase it down with this shit. What are you sad? There's like a bunch of people at the door and he's like, Go away, go away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a Dr. McCoy party. I came here and I got Romulan Ale wasted. <laughs> I'm going to stick an IV in myself, make new blood that I can just put more alcohol in. (laughs) I'm a scientist. I've contributed a lot to the drinking health of mankind. (laughs) I'm on my third replicated liver, Jim. Let's take this bad boy for a spin. (laughs) Oh, God. 
These are pets, of course. Not quite domesticated. <laughs> Just so deliciously evil. <laughs> right? Uh, I've done far worse than kill you. I've hurt you. And I wish to go on hurting you. I shall leave you as you left me. As you left her. Marooned for all eternity in the center of a dead planet. Buried alive. Buried <laughs> alive. To which he responds, God! God! <laughs> <laughs> so much shaking. Uh, so he, much shaking. He tasks me. He tasks me and I shall have him. I'll chase him round the moons of Nimbia and round the Antares maelstrom and round Perdition's flames before I give him up. Prepare to alter course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we get to probably the most important prefacing line. You were my superior officer. You are also my friend. I have been and always shall be yours. <laughs> Just undoes me. Yep. That's ah. Uh. <laughs> uh, one more. I had one more McCoy quote. Him, uh, you know, being a troglodyte. <laughs> That's not the right word. <laughs> uh, neophyte. There we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's also a little bit of a troglodyte, but that's a different story. <laughs> not anymore. Now we can do both at the same time. According to myth, Earth was created in six days. Now watch out. Here comes Genesis. We'll do it for you in six minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was like, oh, you fucking, fucking old man. I love how much I hate you. Uh, you're just the... I was like, McCoy, <laughs> calm down. I, everything is not immediately a doomsday scenario logic i mean it totally was it, but... it was actually yeah my god the man's talking about logic we're talking about universal armageddon you green-blooded inhuman bones <laughs> yeah I'm like racist old dick <laughs> one of these days spock just needs to slap the racist out of him <laughs> i hope that happens off screen well actually it happened and uh, never mind we'll talk about it later in so much for movies. our little training cruise. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, Sulu and Uhura did have, I mean, they only got one line each, but they were pretty good lines. Admiral, the commander of the Reliant is signaling. He wishes to discuss the terms of our surrender. Yeah. And she also got to do some hailing and say that things were... You know, we're not, uh, you know, we're not, we can't get through all that sort of shit. Um, yeah. They're not answering her typical, her lines that she got in most episodes. Yep. Um, I did actually love one of uh, Carol Marcus's few memorable quotes when they see the Genesis cave and she goes, can I cook or can't I? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, that's why you two hooked up. <laughs> Straight up. Quit. Um, Right. I also enjoyed when uh, David said scientists have always been pawns of the military. I was like, yeah, you're the fucking hair. Fuck the system. <laughs> mm -hmm. I also loved uh, 
you know, Kirk provoking Khan saying, Khan, I'm laughing at the superior intellect. <laughs> oh, another. Ooh. Oh, this was a super slashy one. Yeah. For everything, there is a first time. Don't you agree, Admiral? <laughs> Woo, boy. <laughs> Woo. Spock, I'm still sore from last night. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> Wink. Don't make me laugh. Oh, God. It hurts. Hmm. <laughs> And uh, there's just uh, there's just one more, one more quote. No, I have <clears throat> I have one more. Oh, okay. Are you out of your Vulcan mind? No human can tolerate the radiation that's in there. As you were so fond of observing, Doctor, I am not human. You're not going in there. Perhaps you're right. What is Mister Scott's condition? Well, I don't think that he. Remember, I'm sorry, Doctor. I have no time to discuss this logically. Remember. I love that McCoy was trying to save his life. He's like, we're all going to die, but I'll be damned if I watch you die in front of me. I love you, you Vulcan son of a bitch. Yeah. Oh, God, McCoy looked so sad. He did. He looked so sad at the funeral. He was genuinely heartbroken. As Scotty plays the bagpipes. Yep. (laughs) That was... (laughs) I was like... I mean, I'm too sad to say anything, but now looking back, I'm like, eh, that was a little much. <laughs> ah, it's just, okay. Yeah, no. That was that was my one note, too, about that scene. It's like, oh, <laughs> it's like, no. The bagpipes are just a little, okay. We're assembled here today to pay final respects to our honored dead. And yet it should be noted that in the midst of our sorrow, this death takes place in the shadow of new life. The sunrise of a new world, a world that our beloved comrade gave his life to protect and nourish. He did not feel this sacrifice a vain or empty one, and we will not debate his profound wisdom on these proceedings. Yep, nope, I'm the same. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My friend, I can say only this. Of all the souls I have encountered in my travels, his was the most human ah uh, yep nope same uh, yeah uh, son of a bitch i don't no, like being emotionally now. manipulated i'm infected uh, get it out get these feelings out cameron <laughs> i don't want them get them out of here well we'll be doing need them. we'll be doing the third one very soon uh, and that'll give me all kinds of new feelings of rage. I'm hoping. Uh, I'm I hope sure. it's. I hope it's bad. I hope it's bad. I can't do this to myself. <laughs> um, it's not that bad. Five is the bad okay. one. Five is the real bad one. Yes. Five is the stinker. <laughs> Ooh, good, good. Um, At yeah, least that I, I found... remember. Who knows? It might be amazing now, but yeah. I remember it being my least favorite. Oh, well, my last me, complaint, Daniel Crary. Oh. My last complaint about this movie, trying to brush past these tears, um, is that Kirk and Khan never had a face to face. They were never in the same place at the same time, which works as ship captains. Like it doesn't ruin the movie, but I just I would have loved a scene with the two of them in the same room. I just would have loved that. Yeah, that would have been nice. Mm-hmm. <sighs> well, 
Cameron. We have loved it, hated it, slashed about it, we quoted have slashed it. Slashed about it. I guess. Um, may I slash you a question? <laughs> oh, yes. All right. Coined it. Coined it. From now on, when we're when we're gonna get into slash stuff, that's how we got to start it. May I slash you a question? Well, and there's slash forevermore. So it's not as good as Kirk and Spock, but there is slash forevermore. So don't you worry. Well, about I'm. I'm 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 gonna hop on board the uh, Picard and Riker slash bandwagon. I'm oh, sure that's a thing. It is, but I prefer the Picard and Data. Ooh, <laughs> that sounds emotionless. <laughs> I like it. I can't wait to get into slash debates with you. It's gonna be really fun, but it is actually fairly similar to the Kirk and Spock dynamic. Hot. Yeah. Just you wait, Henry Higgins. I will not. <laughs> Cameron? Yes, Daniel. How many bechained, swoop neck sex sweaters would you give this movie? <laughs> oh, God. You know, it wasn't without its faults, but it's just, ugh, it wrecked me. And it's still wrecking me. And it always will. And for that, I'm going to have to give it four and three quarters. Because it's just. It's just such, it's so affecting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about you? How many yeah, sex sweaters? I'll, I'll, I'll go four and a half sex sweaters. Wow. So like four sex sweaters and then like a crop top version of it. <laughs> but because the neck's so low, the bottom would just be like a piece of cord. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Okay, I'm going to do a quick Google search for Wrath of Khan Sweater. <laughs> a bonus for nipple slips. God, I just I just want that that absurd sweater. I want it so fucking bad. I did find some fan art where the nipples are fully out. And I'm like, that didn't happen. I watched the whole movie. It happened one time and it was just from the side. Yep. Put those nips away. <laughs> Ricardo. Ricardo. Your bombs are showing. <laughs> You're the worst and I love you. Okay. Oh, no. I mean, there are all kinds of. Yeah. Oh, oh, hold up. Did you find you it? Can get like a, you can get like a printed t-shirt that has it like silk screen printed on it. So it's like a tuxedo shirt kind of oh thing. Oh my God, I see it. Hot. <laughs> what? <laughs> that is rough. <laughs> I just, I just want the... Also, I love that he's wearing... Oh, shit. He's got a Starfleet pendant on his neck. He does. That's totally from his dead wife, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, that's so sad. Although, canagogically, it's incorrect. It is incorrect. <laughs> how how on earth could she have had that? She didn't have that. Oh, I found another nip slip. Oh, Did no, you? wait. That is the one I was talking about. There she is. Oh, there's another one in this image. God, I missed one. God, those those nipples, man. They're splendid. I like that it's an homage to what he was wearing in 
the, that episode, but I think he looks much better with the white hair than he did with the black. It's been hard. Mm-hmm. Trying to survive. Hard out here for a pimp. <laughs> Especially an intellectually superior one. Yeah. I, I would be interested in them recasting Khan and doing a um, a series about them on the planet. And it can be like Gilligan's Island. <laughs> <laughs> a very dramatic Gilligan's Island. Gilligan's Island. With wonderful accents. Well, I mean... And the professor and Marianne. <laughs> they did recast Khan. Okay, we're not there yet. I know. We're not there yet. And don't even get me started on that thirst trap of a man, Benny Benny cum bitch. Mm. <laughs> that mm. thirst trap of a man. <laughs> He's a walking thirst trap. He is. He is indeed. Wow, we uh, we made it through. I was I was getting real worried as soon as he said, uh, oh, "Be careful, Jim." I was like, "Oh, this gonna this one's gonna hurt. This one's gonna real hurt." And it did. It did. It hurt so bad. I bet. I'm sure there were people who were inconsolable. I'm sure. Lots of people, you know, experienced their first sexual awakening to Spock. Well, can you blame them? No. No, I cannot. It's the ears, man. And the repression. <laughs> Yeah, there's that too. Well, Cameron, there's only one thing left to do. It's true. And that's for me to wish you all to have a great week, everyone. Keep on trekking. From June 4th, 1982, it's Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Or is that Ricardo Maltabalm's nipple? <laughs> I said his, I just uh. slaughtered his name. <laughs> so let me do that again. <laughs> I just went, Ricardo Spanklebank. Ricardo Spanklebank. You're an asshole. Uh, and I love you. <laughs> yep. <sighs> okay. <laughs> A secret weapon production.